This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. Welcome to Careers Unplugged, the weekly show connecting you to secrets of career success. Careers Unplugged is hosted by Rich Sayer and Stu Hayes and proudly sponsored by the Master of Me coaching program. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, you're absolutely in the right place. My name's Rich Sayer, and I'm here with the fabulous co-founder of Careers Unplugged, the Master of Me coaching program, Stewie Hayes. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I'm uh, sprightly, up nice and early, and very, (laughs) very, very excited about today's interview. As am I. As am I, my friend. You don't need to tell me too much about this person, so tell the listeners. Go on. Okay. Well, Rich, our special guest today was a central figure in my decision to step away from 14 years as a a CEO and embark on a socially conscious training and coaching journey that sees me here right now. For almost three decades, he has empowered people around the world to go beyond their ordinary selves and to reach peak performance. He's renowned worldwide as an expert in sales, business and personal growth and has clients, check this, spanning 25 countries on five continents, ranging from the Fortune 500 all the way down to small business owners, sales teams, mums and dads, you name it. Incredible. It is. Mate, it's hardly surprising when you consider the type of impact he's having, though. When I was preparing for this interview, I read a testimonial from a client where he said his company had increased sales by $600 million dollars whilst working with him. How do you rate that? Well, that's no mean feat. (laughs) Outside his training and coaching, he is also a Rich Dad advisor to Rich Dad Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki, as well as being an author of three best-selling books in his own right. I have all three. Rich, it is my great, great pleasure to welcome to Careers Unplugged, all the way from Arizona, Blair Singer. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me, Stuart and Rich. And and by the way, before we get started, thank you so much for plugging this very needed uh, niche in the market of pe- helping people find what their true calling is and to be able to get on and on with their lives to do whatever it is they're supposed to be doing. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Blair. Blair, uh, I know a little bit you know, I've, I've sat in uh, a few training rooms with you over the, the last few years, but our listeners may not. So take us back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into this career and, and how it started and, you know, your first job and all that sort of thing. Well, I, I wish I could tell you and I wish that I could tell all the people out there that there was a really definitive plan and that I had really charted this out. <laughs> in advance, and the and that would be a complete lie because it didn't happen. <laughs> and and um, you know, and I, what I find is that for a lot of people, uh, that's that's a very similar pattern. I know I went, I, I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio State. I went to the Ohio State University and graduated, and was was tried out for some management. Uh, was it some management programs with some big companies like? International Harvester and Ford Motor Company and General Motors and all these. And, and quickly within the first 10 seconds of the interview, I realized, you know, the money might be good on this, but this is just not me. And so <laughs> right in the middle of all that interviewing process, I happened to fall in love with a beautiful woman 
who was from Hawaii and followed her all the way to Hawaii, left, <laughs> left Ohio, got as far away from there as I could get, and moved to Hawaii. And it was just gorgeous. I mean, um, not just the, the woman, but the, uh, <laughs> but the place. And um, I just fell in love with it, lived there for eight years. Um, and because for me, one of the things that I have always allowed myself to be guided by is guided by my by my instinct. And my, when my instinct says something's just not right, you just know it's not right. And anytime I've ever betrayed it, I've, I've paid for it dearly. And I have betrayed it plenty, but every time I've paid for it. So I moved to Hawaii and um, Hawaii is a great place to live, but not a great place to live if you're broke and because uh, it's expensive there. So it seemed all my friends that had um, Money were in sales, so I figured I'd get myself a job in sales. I, the only reason I did this, and I know that this, so if people are trying to look for a pattern here. Maybe we can find one together. But the truth of it was, I'm pretty heavily influenced through my entire career by good people and good friends, by the people I associate with. Very little through mar- influenced by marketing, in, not very much influenced by uh, billboards and emails and social media, but based upon what other people that I trust tell me. So I had a close group of friends uh, at the time. They were all in sales, so I figured I'd get a job in sales and almost got fired from that first job with the Burroughs Corporation. They're now Unisys. But I had made a commitment because one of the things um, I had always wanted to have my own business, but I knew nothing about business. But the one thing I did know is I needed to learn how to generate income. So for me and for everybody else out there, I would tell you, and this is what I wrote books about and this is what I teach, is that probably the most primary skill that you have that you need to develop no matter what you want to do is the ability to sell or generate income or communicate well. So I did that, and even though I did not like working for a corporate structure – I made a a commitment to myself. I'm going to hang in here for at least three years to learn what I need to learn before I make any decision of what else I'm going to do. And and, and, and we weren't the best paid. The commissions were terrible, but the training was awesome. And I think at that time, Xerox, uh, who was it? Xerox, IBM, Burroughs, and a company that's no longer around called National Cash Register Company, NCR, these companies had a worldwide reputation to have the best sales training on the planet. So that's why I went there, just to learn how to generate income, and it's never failed me since. And um, I had a small business on the side, um, a, a surf shop in Waikiki, and that's when I met Robert because he had just quit working for Xerox, and he was starting his first business. And uh, we got to become great friends. This is uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. And this is the Velcro wallets, right? Yeah, he was trying to sell Velcro wallets. In my, so he, the way I met him is he walked in in the afternoon. Now get this, we're in Honolulu, right? And he's got a suit. What the, what's this dude doing in a suit in Honolulu? And he comes in. He's trying to get me to buy these Velcro wallets. And I go, I go, dude, these guys are surfers. They have no money. What would they need a wallet for? And, and I was trying to make a joke, and he just started yelling at me. And I'm going, whoa, this is a pretty interesting sales approach. Yell at your customer until they buy. But it was that introduction to him and then his introduction to get me to go take a personal development course because as we got to be friends, 
you know, he was into personal development courses back in the early, late 70s and early 80s. He says, really got to take this course. And a person that you actually have already interviewed, one of my mentors, Marshall Thurber, was teaching that course, changed my life, and no longer in the surfing, surf wallet or surf shop business, no longer selling computers, but decided that I really wanted to teach and I wanted to teach personal development. So it kind of backwards way of getting into it. That's how I got, that's how I got into it. And, and actually I wasn't even going to do that. I just wanted to learn it on the side and use the principles in my own businesses and had huge success with that. People then started asking me, well, how'd you do that? So they had me guest lecturing in people's seminars and one thing led to another until companies like Bankers Trust and IBM started calling me to come in and do work for them. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. Fantastic. That, that'd be the procession, as Marshall would call it. The, uh... Exactly. So exactly. What, something I just picked up there in that, in that description, you said, I, I decided to stick it out for three years. And that's a very definite decision. And it had a time frame attached to it. Has goal setting with time frames been an important part of your success? Yeah, it has been a huge part of my success. And but because they have to go hand in hand, it's not just good to wait it out for three years. There's got to be a goal. And the yep. goal was I want to be able to make money anytime, any place, in any environment, with any product, no matter what's going on. And when I felt confident enough to do that, I said that's going to ha- if that happens before three years, I'm out. If it takes three years, and then then I'm in for that because I think a lot of people say they're going to wait it out, they're going to persist, but they don't. Like you say, Rich, they don't have a goal at the other end of it that mm-hmm. they're tr- hoping to achieve. Most people don't know what they want, so they end up wandering around, you know, trying to figure out why they're not happy. It's because they never sat down to figure out, hey, what do I want? How bad do I want it? Number two. And number three, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen? Because you got to give something up in order to get what you want. You might have to give up some bad habits. You may have to give up eating bad food. You may have to give up some bad friends. But you got to give something up in order to get what you want. But as you said, you got to first know what it is you want. And does that manifest now? You still. uh, you're still setting yourself new goals, you know, with your health, with your business, and so on. And and are you setting t- time frames on those, or you go with the flow a little bit? Like you said, you didn't have a definitive action plan for your career path. It just sort of happened. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good point. I hadn't really looked at it until you just mentioned it. But yeah, I'm pretty much goal oriented, and not so much time oriented. I'm a naturally impatient person, and so one thing that I've learned over the years that Think I never things never happen as quickly as I'd like them to happen. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate, but <laughs> yeah. it, but but you know what I'm saying. But I, but I know. But I get clear about what it is I want, and it's not like it's a real massive goal setting thing. You know, I'm saying, well, I want to have when we built our franchise, I wanted to have a hundred franchisees. Okay, I, how long is that going to take? I don't know. Once we got a hundred franchisees, then it was time to move on to the next to the next thing. So I'm pretty much goal oriented from the fact that here's what I'm going for. Here's what I'm willing to do. Here's what I'm willing to sacrifice for this. I don't know how long it's going to take me, but if I'm one thing I know about most people and most people that I've coached, if you get really clear about what it is you want, it'll actually happen faster than you think. Mm. Well, a question uh, just to backtrack slightly to something you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Um, When you mentioned 
feeling instinctively um, and in particular, you know, you, you've made a decision when you're exposed to, to martial, to self-development, to essentially go out and become a teacher, of, of, uh, you know, which has led you to where you are now. The question is, um, how did you feel instinctively? What is it that you feel? Has that well, changed over time? Well, Stuart, that's a great, that's a great question. I, I think that I think everybody has instinctive feelings. Everybody, and, and sometimes it's very difficult to discern between an emotional response and an instinctive feeling. Emotional response is usually very quick. It's something that's like overtakes you and kind of hijacks you a little bit as if you, as you know, very excited or very angry or something like that. Mm, yeah. But an instinctive is something that kind of sits in, sits inside of you. And over time, over 24 hours, 48 hours, three or four weeks, kind of still resides in there and kind of gnaws away at you in a positive or negative way. And, and, and I got a couple rules on that. The rule number one is this. If what I'm considering is taking me to a bigger place, not an easier place, not necessarily a more fun place, not necessarily, like I said, something's going to be a walk in the park place, but something that's going to expand me, that's a good sign, and I'll move that direction. If what my instinct is telling me is something that's making me smaller, making my reach smaller, making me feel less than or you know, contracting or retreating, I don't go that way. I always go to the big – I always err on the big side. And yeah, I screw up. Yeah, you make mistakes. But even when you make mistakes in that realm, the, the learning is so positive. The learning is so dramatic that in fact, you never go, you never retreat and go back. So that's number one. Number two is in terms of trusting instinct is to learn that in fact, that I can trust myself. Now, I know that's really hard. And even today at this stage of my career, it's not always easy to trust myself. But you've got to trust that most of the people listening right now, you have a certain level of experience. And you've got to trust that your level of experience is going to serve you at the time you need it as long as, again, go back to rule one, it's expanding you. If it's, it may be scarier. That's okay. But it's going to, ex, it's going to expand you. You're going to put you in a bigger place, not a safer place. <laughs> But a bigger place, because from the bigger place, you can always correct. From a smaller place, all you're going to do is repeat the past and repeat old patterns and go back into the old stuff that's got you where you are today. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Blair, I want to actually focus on, on part of what you said there, which is about uh, fear and uh, making decisions in the face of fear. Talk to me about a time in your life where you've been really scared about a decision that you're making or have made and and how you worked through that geez uh i could give you about four from the last 48 hours yeah. <laughs> well <laughs> no i mean it's you know it's an interesting question and i can give you a couple i'll give you an example but before i do you know the truth of it is in all areas of your life whether it's your family your kids your health your finances your job um Whatever, you know, you face decisions that are scary. I face scary decisions. What am I going to say to my son right now because I need to correct him quickly, but I don't want to take him down. And if I don't do this and that, so that for me 
is as, in that moment is as, as scary of a decision as to whether I want to go out and buy, and, 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 and raise a million dollars for a $3.6 million building. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So either way, in the moment, it's the same fear. It's, it's what if I screw up? What if this doesn't work? Right? All of that stuff. So I don't want to – I think that people should take comfort in knowing that you're making those kinds of fearful decisions every single day, but you don't put the same weight on them that you do because maybe there's no money on the line right now or it's not a career thing or the career thing just seems to stymie you a little bit. But understand that you're making good decisions and bad decisions all day long and correcting them. So don't think that you're not experienced at doing this because most people are. They just kind of discount it. So I wanted to make that statement. <laughs> so it's not so, sort of – yeah. I'm, I'm an sorry. expert. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Do you, under, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I have to say something that, you know, if I've got, if my wife and I, we've been married 26 years, and if, I, and if there's something that comes up that I, and I don't want to talk to her about it because I know she's going to get upset and this is going to, you know, that's just as fearful as putting my name to a contract, but, you know, that's going to, co- that could cost me millions of dollars. Well, you got skin in the game, so to speak. Big yeah. time, big time, big time. And so I think that, Everybody's got the got the experience. That's number one. And I know that sometimes the biggest decisions um, are not what you think they're going to be. I, I, I recall a time when I was going to have to shut my little trucking company down after I left uh, Hawaii and moved to uh, Los Angeles. We had a little air freight trucking company, about 35 people on staff, and we got into some deep financial trouble. Um, and we were faced with having to close the company. And I – and and my team came back to me and said, you know, you can't quit. We get we can make this happen. And the decision to move forward was terrifying. I mean, people threatening my life, you know, poking holes in my car tires and stuff like that because we couldn't pay them. And there was a lot of fear there. But we persisted, went through it. You know, we made some mistakes along the way. We had some huge success, learned a lot and, and, and turned the business around. So that that you know, there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of angst around doing that kind of stuff. You know, leaving, ultimately closing that company and walking away from it to teach full time was fearful. I mean, we had at that point, we had had we closed that company years later, had really had no money to show after we paid everything off. And we were living on Kiyosaki, on the floor in Kiyosaki's condo in Phoenix, Arizona. All we had was an air mattress and a sleeping bag, my wife and I, and nothing, you know, we had nothing, everything was in my little car. And that was, that was fearful, but you know what? There's a couple things. If you, if, if I take a look back on it now, so these are great questions, you guys, is that the one thing that was in common in every single case, I had good friends and people I trusted around me when I made those decisions. And I think that that at the end of the day, at the end of your career, at the end of your life, the thing that you're going to remember most are your friends and the people that love and support you. Mm. And, I, and I tell you this because I've always held that I got to be the star. I got to be the guy. I got to make the decision and all that stuff. But, you know, in the time of the, my trucking business, going into teaching business, my stuff, with, you know, when we were had difficult times, I had my wife, I had Robert, I had friends, we had a team. There were always people at the times of making big decisions. There were always people around me that supported me, trusted me, and trusted that even if I screwed up, that they would still be there and still love, love me no matter what. And I think that that, 
to be able to nurture those kinds of relationships. Oh, and by the way, also relationships with people that were in positions that I wanted to get to. In other words, if I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to hang out with entrepreneurs. If I want to go to, a, if I want to get a better job, I want to hang out with people that have those better jobs and learn the and get their insights, get their mindsets. That's always been a very big rule of me that you got to surround yourself with the right people because the right people will make you your best, and the people that are not are going to bring you down to their level. And and whether even though they love you, they're going to bring you down to their level. So that's a very important component. Is that uh, that's a that's a fascinating topic? I remember. Um you know, a long time ago, hearing people talk about that sort of association with people um, theme. The question: um, Have you had a situation where you know you are surrounding yourself with good people? Um, you've got a, you're in a tough position. You've got to make a decision. You've got to um, pick a goal or head in a direction. But instinctively, what you're feeling is maybe not exactly what they're suggesting. It's a good question. That's a good question. And that's when it comes down to having to trust yourself, you know, and, and there's two schools of thought in this. One school of thought is, is only surround people that are positive about what you're doing. Yeah. But that can also be a bit of being a bit naive. Hmm. You can surround yourself with, you know, you're delusional. You can surround yourself with a bunch of other <laughs> The blind leading the blind. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes even your mentors are not the, not the people that can um, guide you. Well, sometimes you need to. Well, that's what I was going to – and, and, and Stuart, you, you're exactly right. I mean that's uh, – that was the next point I was going to bring up. That's why in addition to your friends, if you – let's say you want to become a, a property guru and you want to really get into investing in property, then you should find a mentor or a coach, somebody that is actually very good at that and, and not necessarily a seminar leader but somebody who's really doing it, is in it. It's willing to support you, meet with you once a month or whatever it is to, to, to coach you. I have several mentors and always have for my health, for my business, for my investing, and for just for managing the little voice between my ears and my relationships. So I have no problem talking to other people. Now, they will give you advice or not advice, and it's up to you to be able to sift through it to make the decision. But at least you're getting good information from qualified people to make that decision from. You know, you don't want to take you don't want to take investment advice from the bellman of, of the hotel. Mm. So okay? it's like the importance of who you're listening to. Exactly, exactly. But at the end of the day, you got to make your own cho- you got to make your own choice, and it might be the wrong one. But even if it's the wrong one, it's the right one because you made a choice, and then, and then you have a, if you make a mistake, you got an opportunity to correct and get better. <laughs> it's uh, you. You taught me in the classroom once. Uh, Bucky's comment: uh, We've got a right foot and a left foot, not a right foot and a wrong foot. And that's it. And I think it's become my favourite saying. And the idea of self-correction. Just coming back to what you're you're saying there about surrounding yourself with the right people. Do you think that your friends and your relationships, to some degree, make up your comfort zone? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that the people that you surround yourself, the context and the environment that you're in creates a certain comfort or uncomfort zone. So for me, I kind of look at it as I, I'm with a certain group of my friends. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable <laughs> because I know being like with Robert, for example, classic and, uh, and all the other rich dad advisors, you know, we 
we wrote these books, but we really are a team and we work with each other and our, in our individual businesses all the time, every week, all the, you know, so we are really are a team and that's an uncomfortable group. I love them to death, trust them implicitly, but boy, you know what? They put you up against it. And so you gotta get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's part of the culture of that group. Now, outside of that with my family, it's a little bit different. You know, with my siblings and and uh, mostly, you know, th- that's not the environment they operate in. So I got to get comfortable being in that environment. But I spend more time. I don't spend as much time with my siblings as I do with some of the guys that I'm that I do business with and some of the foundations that I work with because we're of like mind. But yeah, you get comfortable with it. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean you're in you're comfortable all the time. If that makes sense. It's, I feel at home there. I feel at, you know, like a warrior will feel at home on the battlefield. Even though there's bullets whizzing by, it's something you're familiar with and you're comfortable there. Um, but it's not comfortable, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Totally. And, uh, you know, I've witnessed you in the room with Robert, and I can see the strength of uh, your friendship there that has obviously uh, come from many years together. He's not one to hold back on telling you what he thinks. And at all, as as a, as a person, have you ever found yourself going in the wrong direction and had a serious slap from from uh, from Robert or one of your friends or mentors? It's a wake up call, and and found yourself struggling to take their advice. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. And how have you, how how have you worked through that? Well, the biggest problem with that, if I be brutally honest, it's your ego. Mm-hmm. And the real problem is, is nobody wants to look bad and nobody wants to look bad in front of their friends. And nobody particularly wants to look bad in front of their friends when all their friends are standing around watching you look bad in front of your friends. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that's like triple misery there. So (laughs) that's the big problem. And you've heard me say this, Rich and, and Stuart both. You've heard me say the biggest thing that stops most people from being who they're supposed to be doing what they really want to do and being their biggest, best, authentic self, the biggest thing that stops them is their concern about what other people think about them. Mm. I mean, it stops people from being good public speakers, from being teachers, from building businesses, from having great relationships, because there's this concern about what other people think. So you ask the question, you know, do you ever get spanked or slapped by some of your friends after you screwed up or whatever? I actually don't get spanked as much as I get laughed at. (laughs) (laughs) They know that's got more leverage over you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And like if Robert's trying to try to get me to get something, uh, and I don't seem to get, we don't. It doesn't happen so much over the last several years, but it used to be if Robert's trying to get me to get a point, and I was I was not agreeing with him. He'd wait till some opportunity where I was in front of the room about in front of about five or six hundred people, and then make the point in front of six (laughs) hundred people. You know, and so I'd have to deal with that piece of, of humiliation. But, <laughs> but he, but he would do that. And after after it's all over, he, he I, I'm I'm back off stage. He goes, you know, I really do like you. I go, you have a strange way of showing it, dude. But, Let's remember but, that one, Rich. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Blair. You know, you 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 you've got a, a beautiful marriage. You you've got kids. You've been on stages all around the world. You've been a best-selling author. Um, is there a highlight? Can you distill a? Can you can you find a highlight through all that? 
boy, I don't know. There's so, so many highlights. I, you know, it's hard to say. I, I'd have to say if I have a, the, the, the times that I enjoy the most, if you can believe this, is when I'm sitting on the sidelines watching my boys play ball. <laughs> mm. I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than be able to sit there and watch those boys shine. I, so that, I mean, if that's the thing that brings me the most pleasure. In, in terms of my career, I think that the moments when I have been on stage, um, like I could think the, probably the biggest and the best of all was back in, I think you've heard me tell the story, it's 1995. It's a great year. This is the year my first son was born. And 1995, about three months after that, I was on a stage at the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, in front of 12,000 people in that arena at a L'Oreal Redken event. Um, and they told me, everybody had told me that you can't present the way I, I present, which is lots of questions and interactivity on a main stage like that. You just can't be done. You don't do it and don't do it. You'll screw it all up. And I went on stage for 45 minutes and just let it rip and uh, got a standing ovation. And boys, you could have shot me and buried me right there, man. It was like <laughs> people standing, cheering, crying. It was, it was a highlight. And it was that point that I realized that maybe I do know what I'm doing. Maybe there is, I do have a message to deliver. Maybe that there's a future for me. Cause I was in the, I, I was not even doing this full time mm. at, at, at that point yet. I was just kind of playing around with it. And I think that for everybody listening, you've got moments that Bucky Fuller would call a tap on the shoulder, a little tap on the shoulder. It's a, that's a, that a a little win, a win says, okay, that's good. Keep moving in that direction. Keep moving in that direction. Keep moving. The problem is for me and for others, for what happens is this, is that people go set goals and they go into major overwhelm. They go, oh my God, I want to be a great speaker. Oh, oh I want to start a business. And they see they got to raise capital and they got to do, hire employees. They got to do all these things. And, and they're, they get so overwhelmed by the size of the task that they never make the decision to begin with. And if there's one message I could deliver to everybody out there is this. I learned this so, so well over the last couple of years. It's one step at a time. The key to taking on any decision, wherever it is, is to be totally present, if you can do this, in the moment to moment to moment. So yeah, set a goal and now don't don't worry about it. Just do what you need to do. Do the work. Let nature take its course. And don't get, every time you look at the big picture. I remember when Marshall had me teach my first seminar. It was a three and a half day seminar. I was in such overwhelm. And he said, Blair, one hour at a time. Don't worry about the second hour. Just focus on staying with one hour. Then go to the next hour. And I think that that's probably the best advice that I got back in 1983 that I never listened to. <laughs> I never listened to it. And finally, about two years ago when um, – and last year when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with my, my son and really was forced to be that present for one step, one breath at a time, all the way up to 19,341 feet, radically changed – the way I looked at things and look back at the success that I've had in decision making and in my career is when I followed the little taps and just stayed present with that moment at that time and just went to the next and the next and the next and just didn't worry about it so much. 
Um, you know, probably everybody, if you got a job right now and you're not happy with it, I'm sure there's other things that you do that you're extreme, that you enjoy a lot that other people would benefit from, uh, that other people would love to share your experience, would love to share your insights um, and, and play with that. Do a little of that. Don't, you don't have to jump right now. You don't have to make a big catastrophic life-changing decision right now. Take it one moment at a time, one experience at a time. And sooner or later, you're going to find out what happened to me. All of a sudden, how would I get here? I'm standing on a freaking stage in front of 500 people. How would that happen? <laughs> I started out trying to build a little trucking business or a surf shop or, a, or whatever. And now how would I get here? And the way I got there was by one step, one correction, one step, another correction. And following the path, believe it or not, of least resistance the least resistance to who I am, the least resistance to being my authentic self. And I think, and, and I know it's a big mouthful to try to say and do, cause I'm, and I'm not perfect at it, but if I were to look back and connect the dots looking backwards, that's what I would tell you. That is wow. gold. Would you say that's the, that's the gold nugget? Yeah, that, it, it, it is. And you know, that's why all those exercises and learning how to be present and how to be in the moment and all that stuff that people talk about, it really it really is that critical. And you know what? You know what, Rich, is that your pe- all the stress go- seems to go away. Mm. All of the worry seems to go away. I used to look at my calendar and go, oh, the stuff I got to do today, I'm never going to get it all done. I'm like, God, why do they keep scheduling me like this? You know. And then what I realized after Kilimanjaro was like, once I get on the call, it's just like I'm with you guys. It's Rich, Stuart, and Blair. That's it. There's nothing else in my world right now. Nothing. No thought about what's happened in the past. Nothing about the future right here. And I'm loving it. And then it's the next thing and the next thing. And so, like I said, I think people think that you've got to master the whole. You don't need to master the whole of anything. Mm. All you need to do is master the moment. (laughs) You master the moment, all of a sudden you'll end up with a whole. But if you're trying to master the whole, nobody's that smart. Certainly not me. So I think that that is really the key to key to making those kinds of decisions, at least in, in my experience. And the problem, the, the, the problem with doing that is, like I said, that incessant little voice between your ears that says, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You can't do that. You screwed this. You know, and all that stuff. <laughs> you just got to tell that, that part to just shut up and be, and be present. You know, well, I mean, that, and that's, that's, why, that's why I wrote that book, by the way, Little Voice Mastery, because that's the culmination of all the years – the other component I didn't mention here is that the other thing that has served me the best is active personal development coaching and training for myself. Ever since Marshall turned me on, turned me on to it in 1982, I have never stopped getting coached and never stopped training in that area of cleaning up my, cleaning up my brain. Well, Blair, you've uh, inspired both of us. Uh, I've had the, the benefit of being... Uh, your student now for for a number of years and uh and i've read all your books and i have a lot of your audio programs um we've just about run out of time so before we we finish up um you have got a a special gift for uh, our listeners Stu. you want to tell them about that uh, Rich, why don't you tell him about that? I've not got it in front of me, right? <laughs> well, why don't I, t- why don't I tell? Why don't I tell Blair, you? About why don't you tell him about that? The virtual training academy. Take it away. <laughs> Let's be absolutely, honest. absolutely. <laughs> Look, I, I was, as I was just saying, I, I, one of the keys to doing all this are the people you surround yourself with, who your teachers are, 
and working on that little voice between your ears for the ultimate goal of being able to trust yourself and being able to be present in the moment. And I know that it's difficult. You know, Rich and Stuart, you guys have invested large sums of money and time to travel to different places, to get trained and do it. And you guys are great trainers yourself as well. And I realize that not everybody can do that. Uh, not everybody has access to all, to that kind of time and money. And so that's why uh, about a year ago, decided to create, invest a lot of money in a, in a uh, multi-million dollar platform to be able to take some of these lessons that I do live and coach people directly. So we have something called a virtual training academy, which is me working with you one-on-one, 24-7, right off your lap, your laptop um, that you can access anytime that to be able to work with me sending, taking you through session after session on systematically controlling the little voice between years. So, so that it eliminates the procrastination, eliminates doubt, increases your, your confidence level, makes you feel, learn, get you to learn to be present and to trust yourself systematically over the course of the program. And, um, so we have a gift for everybody. That program is typically is available online. If you go to BlairSinger.com, you'll find it there, uh, Ver- Blair Singer Virtual Training Academy. Um, that program is $59, U.S. dollars, $59.95 per month. But the gift for all the people listening to this amazing program, Careers Unplugged, if you type in the pro- the code promo one ls that's p-r-o-m-o one the number one capital l-s all capital letters you can get it for 50 percent off for uh, 29.95 and um that not only includes a little voice mastery system which is about three or four hours of me working with you one-on-one and quiz you work with you you do exercises uh with me but also there's a whole new sales component that's been loaded up in there too so you have the ability, even if you've never sold in your life, to teach you the fundamentals of how to get what you want uh, and get other people to love helping you with that. So, um, yeah, so that's available at BlairSinger.com. Thank you so much, Blair. And uh, for all of you out there, if you don't have a chance to get into a classroom in Blair, absolutely get hold of that program because it will absolutely change your life. Uh, that's about all we've got time for, Blair. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And... Uh, We're going to have to have you back because there's so much more we could speak about. To all of you at home, in the car, wherever you are, thanks for joining us. We hope the insights provided by Blair will help you on your journey. Make a point of visiting careersunplugged.com and check out Blair's special gift. There's some uh, documents there to download as well. Leave a comment, get access to a whole bunch of resources designed specifically to help you make it big in life, career, and business. This has been Careers Unplugged with Rich and Stu. Hi, this is Lawrence Tan from the Wellness Guys and Insights Champions Mind. The Wellness Summit is fast approaching and we have some limited spots for a selected group of people. If you are ready to take your body, your mind, and your life to the next level, join us as a VIP at the Wellness Summit. Ask the speaker any questions you want at our meet and greet and a VIP dinner. You get to sit in the first front four rows for an intimate experience and you get to take home the DVDs and MP3 recordings of the entire event. And for VIP Platinum holders, you get also a $500 wellness couch voucher to spend on any upcoming wellness couch event. 
Hurry, these Golden Platinum VIPs are strictly limited. And for more information and to book your tickets, go to www.thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.